the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, AM 1220 KNEW presents... New Focus on Wealth with Certified Financial Planner, Chad Burton, drawing from his 20-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New Focus on Wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome into the show. I'm your host, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. If you have a money question for the show, just shoot me an email, chad at chadburton.com, or just go to chadburton.com. You can check out some downloads, find out more about me and our team of Certified Financial Planner practitioners and, and all the stuff that we do. Obviously, a lot has to do with investing and, and taxes and planning. I started in this business 29 years ago. And from nearly day one on radio, You've heard me say, and this has been you know, 22 years of radio with Rob Black, I've preached a certain distribution strategy, which I'll talk about here in a little bit. And, and this is a, a type of year, and it's a perfect example of why. When you could have a situation that most asset classes can go down in value, stocks and bonds can go down in, together, and you've got to have cash to live off of for a few years while it recovers, because it always does. While corrections like this are very painful to watch, the stock market returns that we're seeing are fairly normal. It's just part of investing. If I look back over the last 50 years, the S&P 500 has averaged 12.3%. 78% of the 50 years were positive. The average gain when the stock market, when the S&P 500 was positive, was 19.4%. That's the average gain. So you add up all the positive years, divide it by the number of positive years, 194 the average loss, 14.1% to the downside. The largest loss was 08, down 37%. And today, as I'm recording the show on September 21st, down about 18.2%. So you see what I mean? It's, it's, it's one of those rough patches that you go through as an investor. But still, historically, there's no reason to believe while over the next you know, 15, 20, 30 years of retirement that you, your stock still won't average 10, 11%. You go through periods of times where they don't. But everything returns to the mean. Now, back on oh, mid-June, the S&P 500 was down about 22%. It rallied 13.5% from the bottom. And, and here we are today, down about 18.2% before the market opens. So, you know, just you, you get these big, uh, during a, a rough patch in the economy, during a recession, during what's called a bear market, which we hit back in June, you go through these bear market rallies that can pop up and things get a little bit rosy. But what you have to pay attention to is what's going on with corporate you know, revenue, what's going on with sales. You know, what, what type of a market are we in? Are we in a growth period where you warranted a higher P ratio? Or are we in a slowdown where you got to concentrate on value? 
What's not the norm is the bond market. The the 10-year treasury started 2022 just above 1.5%. Now we're sitting at almost 3.5% on the 10-year treasury, a little slightly higher than the June high. So while the bond market did the same thing, it hit a bottom in June, rallied back up, and and then rallied right back down to where we are, down 12.69% today on the Barclays Aggregate Bond Index. So... What does this mean? It means, okay, so a younger person investing in the stock market, you shouldn't care. You know, I, I know it's not fun to see your portfolios decline, but if you're 20, 30, 40, even early 50s, find ways to buy more. Can you afford to put more into your 401k and start buying stocks as they're cheaper? And, you know, we, we could see rougher times ahead as you go through a, a slow patch, as you go through a recession, but you're not going to think about this 10 years from now. You're going to wish you would have bought more at some point during this correction. But what's scary and what's not the norm is the bonds being down this low. I mean, this is really the worst bond market you've had since the 60s. It was worse than 80, 81. Um, and as, an, as a person that is maybe in retirement or recently retired or is about to retire, this is a very scary time because... Typically, bonds, when stocks go down, go up. For example, according to MFS Investments, global bonds rose 12% during the 2008 stock market decline and and gained 8% during the 2000-2002 tech crash. But we're in a point where stocks and bonds can fall together. And I'd seen it before because in, in the 80s, when the feds came in to fight inflation, you had stocks and bonds going down the same time. And so this is why I've preached for years and years while as five years prior to retirement and in retirement, you always have to have three years worth of portfolio draws in cash and safe money. And right now that's things like FDIC insured online bank accounts, I bonds. Um, it's just something that is not going to go down when interest rates go up. Short-term bonds can go down when interest rates go up. So that's not safe money. Now I will say where you know, bonds are are starting at a buy point here because yields are so low. We 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 see this slowdown caused by the supply chain. We see you know all the vehicles that Ford can't deliver because they're waiting on parts. For example, the demand is still out there. So you know this will all pass at some point. But we have uh, a period that we're going to see of of higher inflation and a slower growth period. Most at this point, most bond. Uh, fund managers have, have kind of set up for redemptions. Um, this is going to be another wave of it as people look at their statements for September soon and see, oh my gosh, even my bonds are getting hit. So you're going to see you know, some panic buttons being hit. But one of the things I want to point out is that active, this is, this is kind of a point where adding active management diversification in a portfolio is, is starting to pan out. When everything's going up together, it looks like passive or index investing is the best way to go. But when things fall, you realize, okay, diversification, active management, that's when, okay, I keep up with the market in the good years and I outperform in the bad. At this point, the active bond fund managers that I follow are 3 to 4% better than the index, the Barclays Aggregate Index, or even something like Vanguard Total Bond Market Index. At this point, the Fed is, what they're doing is, you know, they're raising rates, the short-term lending rate between banks, essentially. And so, that's trying to deflate, deflate asset prices that basically just kind of continue to bubble up even during COVID. 
and it's really you know the fault of the the PPP loans that a lot of business didn't end up needing. Those just went out into the economy and and bought goods. And so the issue mostly now is the supply chain. The demand is there, but as interest rates go up, and unfortunately that hurts the the lower and middle income or people that are you know paying debt, credit cards, slows down the housing market, is tries to bring up unemployment. They're going to have to stop soon. And if we look back, 8081, 82, I think it was a year where the bond market had a double-digit rally as you went into a recession. So it's not a time to just ditch everything. It's definitely a time to take a fresh look at your portfolio and say, do I only own large-cap growth stocks? Do I only own index bond funds where as rates go up, I'll have more of a pain point and really take a fresh look at your portfolio? But as the economy slows down and you do go to recession, the feds are going to have to stop you know, soon. They're not going to just crank up rates and we're going to see you know, 5% on the 10-year treasury anytime soon. I don't, I don't see that happening. But this is a year where diversification and mixing in active management has helped buffer the downside. I already mentioned the, the bonds. But even if you just look at the stock market in general from an, an indexing side, the small cap value indexes and ETFs are down, are, are down around 12%. So that's about 6% better than the S&P 500. Actively managed small value funds that I follow or own are only down typically around 9%. That's around half of what the S&P 500 has declined. You can see this at a basic level. One of the things that I look at all the time is, is you, you can take a look at any ETF that tracks the S&P 500, whether it's SPY or IVV. And I look at the returns of that versus RSP, which is an, in, an ETF that is an equal weighted S&P 500 index fund. So S&P 500, when you're investing in it, you're really, most of your money's in the, the largest 50 companies in America, which most of which are, happen to be tech these days. And the RSP, if you have $500 invested in it, you truly have a dollar invested in each of the companies in the S&P 500. So it goes, more, it goes a little bit smaller, a little bit more value-oriented. And RSP is 4% better to the downside than S&P 500. So it's S&P 500 is down about 18.2 and it's RSP is down you know, 4% less than that. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass or the wait, I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirado Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiratopass.com. So this, I think a lot of times when people say, oh, I'm going to hire somebody to manage my money for me, that they're going to get massive outperformance on the upside. Now, that's, that's really not how it works. There's taxes. There's all sorts of things that go into the planning and, and creating the portfolio, but it's really... The idea for proper diversification is I'm going to keep up with the market in the good years and hopefully outperform in the bad years. And then where the advisor is supposed to be adding value is tax strategies, tax loss harvesting, IRA to Roth conversions, rebalancing, proper asset allocation, in addition to proper asset location to keep taxes low. Like your taxable account should have U.S. large and mid-cap and tax-free bonds where all the other asset classes that I'm talking about, most of that should be in your retirement accounts. But we are in one of those years that you've heard me preach about all the time. Three years worth of portfolio draws in cash is king for retirees. So if you're five years out from retirement or less, 
you should have a very detailed financial plan that lists all of your expenses, including the healthcare costs that you might not be thinking about, like Medicare Part B and supplemental insurance, a projection of taxes that you're going to pay based on your distribution strategy that's been created. That's all of your expenses minus your automatic income, which is things like Social Security, pensions. If you have a real estate property that you've owned forever and the rent's very dependable, you can even count that in. You can count dividends and interest from your taxable account because you're going to stop reinvesting those and typically start spending that money, those dividends and reinvestments. So then you get a number. Here's my gross, my total expenses minus my, my income that's always coming in. This is how much I'm going to draw from my portfolio every year. And you need three years worth of that and safe, safe money. FDIC insured online bank accounts, most of them are 1.75 or more now starting to get at least a rate of return. Um, I wish you could buy more I bonds, for example, but you, you know, it's a pain to buy more than 10,000 or more of that. Um, but, but it's safe, safe stuff. A lot of people, oh, I'll use the short-term bond fund as my safe money. Nope. As interest rates go up, those can fall in value too. Safe, safe money. Now, how I typically run a a retirement portfolio. And keep in mind, there's three different phases of income planning. There's from retirement to age 65, how are you going to live and do your taxes? There's from age 65, when you get on Medicare Part B to age 71, where you're dealing with IRA to Roth conversions and and other types of tax planning and, and Medicare Part B premiums. And then there's age 72 on when you're forced to take your required minimum distributions out of your IRAs, 401ks, 403bs. So it, it gets pretty complex. There's, there's different phases of income planning. But in a general sense, how we typically do it, once we've calculated, here's your three years worth of portfolio draws in cash, then typically every three to six months on reviews, we're, we're saying, okay, how much cash did you spend? If, are your expenses on track, first of all? If you're sticking to your, your expenses and everything's on track, how much of your cash did you spend? And then we look at the portfolio and in up markets, which are typically 70% of the time or more, we typically sell out of the portfolio something that went up to replenish the cash so that we're always preparing for these types of downturns that we're living through right now. All the people that work with us know that, that this is, these are expected. Yes, the market average is 10, 11%, but that's stocks. You got to have bonds, real estate, commodities, everything else in the portfolio. And you've have to constantly be prepared for the bad times because it's what you do in the bad times that can screw up your entire retirement. And typically it's you're forced to sell. You're forced to sell at the bottom to pay expenses, expenses, which that means that portfolio, those shares that you sold are never going to recover because they're gone. Or you're forced to sell because you're panicking out and um, you invested over your risk tolerance. And so in a typical time when the market's positive, we we sell enough of the growth to replenish the cash that was spent. Sometimes that means you pay your taxes. Yeah, but that's, you're, you're always prepping for those corrections. And that's what we're typically doing. But when the market is negative, you have enough cash. And by the way, most of the time when you allocate your portfolio properly between stocks, bonds, real estate, commodities, and alternatives, you're going to have you know, somewhere around a 2.5% or more income from your portfolio in good markets or bad markets. The stocks still pay dividends in bad times. Bonds still pay interest in bad times. And you use that to replenish your cash. So you're always prepping for the big pullback. So to give you an example of this, if you think about the stock market pull down, the, the, the worst one that we've seen in recent history was October 1st of 2007. 
Um, it was actually October 10th, I believe, was the peak of 2007. The, the stock market declined all the way until March of 9th of 2009, down 57%. And the S&P 500 didn't break even again. So it went from October 2007. It didn't break even again until August 12th of 2012. Now we're, we're way, 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 way higher than that now. But... That was October of 2007 to August of 2012. So that's all stocks. If you look at a 60-40 portfolio, 60% S&P 500, 40% bonds, that type of a portfolio actually recovered November 5th of 2010. So about three years later. Now, when I looked at the, porf- at the stock market, as I got into the business 29 years ago, and approached it. You know, I was majoring in engineering and math, so spreadsheet guy, you know, math guy, whatever. And I looked at it and I said, okay, the stock market's only been negative three times or three years in a row once when I got into the business. It was right after the Great Depression. But I saw lots of periods where the market was negative two years in a row, like 73 and 74 is down a little over 40%. But the next two years, it was up 60%. So I always looked at that and said, geez, those are buying opportunities. But at that point in time, all of my clients were already retired. So I got into the business working with my grandfather who was in his 60s and his clients were older than him. And I said, okay, that, that's fine. I just need to make sure that for people that are drawing on their portfolio, they never have to sell when the market declines because mathematically, if they do that, they, can't re- they won't recover. It's a math problem. And so I just made it a point to always have three years worth of expenses and stuff that had no risk. And then it frees you up to even invest a little bit more aggressively if you want. But if you have three years worth of portfolio draws in cash, you can make it through from the peak, like October 2007, back to the, to the bottom, March of 09, all the way up to an unbalanced portfolio recovery in 2010. You'd still have extra cash to live over. So when the times are bad, you have that cash, the dividends and interest, the pension, the Social Security, the rental income potentially to protect your portfolio so that it, you just let it run. You let the dividends and interest pay you. Let the, the, the income come to your checking account. And those shares will eventually recover and you'll start to be able to sell again to replenish the cash that you've spent. Because it's not different this time. I've heard that so many times. Every time valuations, the S&P 500 get out of hand, like 1999, 2006, oh, it's different this time. It's like people investing in cryptocurrency and meme stocks. It's different this time. It's a new new world. No, I don't mean to say crypto is you know, awful and not going to be here forever. That's not the point. But it was, there was just too much exuberance in in those different areas of the market. When I knew my daughter was in high school and kids in high school were trading stocks in between classes on Robinhood, there's something wrong there, right? So if you're going into retirement with that positive attitude on the stock market, that over my you know, 35 years of retirement, that stock market's likely going to average still 10, 11%. But as long as I'm always prepping for those bad times that come every, you know, five to seven years, those recessions that come every, you know, five to seven years, then I know I'm going to be okay because it makes situations like this not so painful. Even though it's horrible to watch your portfolio decline in value, you know that I've got the cash and I've got the income, I'll be fine. And this will eventually recover. And you focus on your exercise, your health, your grandkids, your travel, your philanthropy, and all the other stuff that you want to do instead of just staring at your portfolio and freaking out every day. This will, this will pass. This will definitely pass. Um, whether it's Russia, Afghanistan, 
um, some leader, you know, North Korea, somebody's always rattling their saber and, and creating these situations and then they go away. And you do have to, as I've mentioned on other podcasts, you do have to separate investing from what's going on politically and socially, because while that can feel awful, if it's especially if it's not your whoever's in charge is not your political affiliation, you're thinking, oh, you know, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, wherever that term came from. Um, and things socially are feeling worse and worse. You have to separate that from investing in corporations that are run by CEOs that make figure out ways to make money and no matter who's in charge, no matter who's freaking out overseas. And there's always investing opportunities. You cannot play that game that you go all in or all out. I just met a guy last week in January, early before COVID was really much of a thing, got wind of it. And he's like, all right, I'm going to cash in my 401k because I'm going to retirement in the next five years. So million dollars in his 401k, left his taxable account alone because he didn't want to pay taxes on it. But in his 401k, even from January of 2000 to now, he lost out on a 28% rate of return. So even after this pullback, he would have still been up, I'm sorry, 21% return. He still would have been up $210,000 in his 401k. He missed out on that because he went to cash. That's life-changing event by trying to make calls like that. One of the things that you might want to do is you or have your advisor run a report. For us in our planning software, it's easy to run a uh, uh, income by security report that shows every asset, every stock, mutual fund, ETF, bond, whatever that you own in the account, when it pays a dividend, and then a grand total. So it's, you know, this guy could have looked at us, oh my gosh, if I sell out now, I'm going to be missing out on probably $25,000 a year or more in dividends and interest that's going to come in good times or bad times. That could be buying more shares during these declines. Bad idea to go all in or all out. If you've been sitting in cash, you're in cash now, you're trying to figure out what to do with cash, it's a great time to say, I'm going to pick four to six months. I'm going to buy every two weeks until I'm invested in the proper portfolio because you're going to get some pretty good deals. Now, it might not feel good for a year or two as you go through a recession. but Man, 10 years from now, you're going to thank me. Every time I dollar cost average in somebody's money, I look back and I wish I would have just gone all in, probably would have made more money. But sometimes it's just too scary to go all in. And so you average in over time. So what should a typical retiree portfolio look like? Typical retiree portfolio, once you do a very careful cash flow projection and you realize here's my total expenses, including healthcare costs and taxes, and you know what your automatic income is, like I talked about, you know what your three years worth of portfolio draw is, that cash is set aside. The rest of the portfolio typically is going to be 60% in stocks, right? So you're going to have a mix of large cap, small cap, mid cap, international emerging markets, a little lighter on the international emerging markets than typical. And 30 to 35% in, in bonds and 5 to 10% in alternatives, things like commodities, real estate, direct lending, some of the other alternatives that are, you know, for portfolios, $2 million above things like direct lending and other funds like that. Hi, this is Chad Burton. If you have questions about retirement and investing, it's time to get some answers. My website, chadburton.com, has a ton of resources. There are downloads to help you determine how long your money will last in retirement, links to our webinars, and several videos discussing everything from retirement planning to tax-efficient investing, estate planning, insurance, and even saving for your kid's college. While you're there, also check out our tax planning and estate planning services and our video explaining our online wealth management tool. 
You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. This invaluable resource is able to show the values and allocations of all your accounts regardless of where they're held. Information is updated each day at the end of market close and these new numbers are fed into the financial projections we've created for our clients with the goal of constant financial clarity. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. As rates rise over 4% on the 10-year treasury, stock weighting may end up shifting down and you may end up going into more bonds. But you don't want to play that game of all in and all out. Um, some of the things that you should be doing now, if you do have a portfolio, is definitely not just, oh, it's looking really horrible. Everybody knows it's not great right now. Everybody knows about the supply chain, what the Federal Reserve is doing, what the market is doing. We still haven't had that major capitulation where the VIX goes well over 30 and people are really freaking out. Well, that's the really buying opportunity for the long term. But right now, you should be looking at tax loss harvesting in your taxable accounts. Do you have any positions showing a loss? You can sell them, buy something similar. Um, and, and create a capital loss that you can use against future capital gains that will help you out in the future tax-wise. That's a way to get you know, 20, 30% of your loss back in the form of offsetting future capital gains from other stocks that you sell or real estate or selling your business. Or you can take those losses and trim other highly concentrated positions. So if you have losses on something, you can sell and then use those losses to offset gains if you're overly weighted in, in stuff that still looks expensive on a price-to-earnings ratio or, um, or highly concentrated stock positions of your employer, for example. You should be looking at IRA to Roth conversions if you are retired at a market low. So if you've done a very careful financial plan, step number one, very careful tax-intensive financial plan to say, okay, this is how long my money is going to last. This is how much I'm going to pay to your taxes. And this is my effective tax bracket every single year until I die. And this is what my tax brackets do. How much do they jump at age 72 between now and age 72? Well, after age 72, you have to start taking required minimum distributions from your IRAs, 401ks, and things like that. If you look forward, you say, oh, wow, my brackets do jump. And you know, much higher than what they are at now. And I know that I am leaving IRA money to my kids. And when they inherit the money, they're likely to be at the highest earnings level of their career. And so they're going to be at an even higher tax bracket than me when they get my IRA and have to pay taxes over a 10-year period. Then you know you should be looking at IRA to Roth conversions where you choose to pay some taxes now, move the money from your IRA to a Roth where it grows tax-free for the rest of your life. And typically each year, once you're retired, you look at this towards the end of each year during a major correction and say, okay, what tax bracket am I going to be in this year? And how much room do I have left at that existing bracket? You fill up the tax bracket. Now, this can be a little bit confusing once you're 65 and you're on Medicare because you can increase your income and pay more for your Medicare Part B premiums due to IRMA. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're a retired couple and you've got really, you know, nice high up income, and you're, you're enjoying life. You've done well. You've saved well. You're going to leave, you know, lots of money to your kids, for example. And you're solidly in the 22% federal bracket because you have a, you know, your at least your standard deduction, which is tax free. Um, got, you know, 
20,583,550 is 12% and you're in the 22% bracket for taxable income of 83,551 all the way up to 178,150. So let's say you're a couple that is solidly in that 22% bracket. Your taxable income is somewhere between 83K and 178K. And let's say your, your taxable income is always throughout retirement. You've done a careful financial plan. It's always going to be at $150,000 around of taxable income. Well, that type of person should think about every year converting somewhere around $28,000 from their IRA to their Roth and filling up that 22% bracket. They're at 150. They know I have another 28 grand left at that bracket. So they're always going to be at that bracket. So why not just kind of max that out now so that money moves from an account where it's growing taxable forever to an account that's growing tax-free for you forever and then tax-free for another 10 years for your kids in a Roth. That can get a little bit confusing because um, Irma, where you pay, <laughs> this is where tax planning for retirees is, got so much more difficult in 2017, but actually, even though it's more complicated, there's a lot of strategies there. Because income brackets are separated from capital gains brackets, but ordinary income can affect your capital gains. And there's a lot of moving parts and circular calculations that we have to do. But your Medicare Part B premiums can go up once your modified adjusted gross income is over 182000 Your modified adjusted gross income includes things like tax-free bond income, where your taxable income does not. See how this gets confusing? So... In that scenario that I was talking about, you want to make sure that you do a second check and say, okay, if I got to add my tax-free bonds, I want to make sure I'm not over 182000 a year because that bracket, which doesn't even match, by the way, our federal bracket, right? It seems like our IRMA brackets should have a dollar figure that matches some tax. It does not. It just makes it super confusing. But in this case, you could, if you do it wrong, you could go from paying $170 a month for Medicare Part B to $238 a month, all right? And you could, if you do it wrong and you don't think about other taxes and have actual software that calculates that, you could also push capital gains and dividend income tax way up from your taxable accounts. So it's not as simple as just filling up the bracket. There's other parts that we have to look at. But creating accounts that grow tax-free for the rest of your life, very, very powerful. And what a great time to do it when the market is down at a discount right now. So... Now is the time to adjust portfolios, adjust your asset allocation, adjust your asset location, tax loss harvest. And if you're retired, especially if you're you know, 71 years old or younger, doing IRA to Roth conversion analysis is very, very important. I did get an email from Gabriel and I'll end the show with this one. Gabriel is trying to help out his parents because his parents are, are aging um, they want to live in a community care setting. And so they're trying to figure out the best way to you know, either sell their home or some rental properties to create the cash in order to, to buy into a certain place like this. Now, what I, what I tend to see people when they want to get rid of a rental, first, you got to do a very careful rental analysis. Is it a good deal or not? Is it, is the, is it a good positive cash flow? Is it still growth area? What's the potential, you know, cash requirements of fixing up the property that you might own? A lot of people just get tired of, of being a property manager in life. And so step one, do you want to hire a really good property manager to take that off your plate? And will that decrease stress and give you, you know, enough still 
positive cash flow afterwards to keep the property. What I want people to do to hesitate when dealing with an older couple, especially that's going into care, is that if you're in a community property state like California or Washington, when the first spouse dies, everything outside of retirement accounts and annuities gets a step up in cost basis. So if you sell something now while both parents are alive, they're going to pay a large capital gains tax. If you wait until the first person passes away, then you can sell anything you want without any capital gains tax under current law. So that's why you hear this term swap till you drop. Why some people say, okay, if you got rental properties that you don't want anymore, um, then you do a 1031 exchange into something else or something you do want, like a Delaware series trust where you just go into a, uh, essentially a, a building that let's say it's leased by Amazon and you 1031 exchange your rental property into that where you're with a group of investors and you don't have any property management issues and you can just kind of kick back and take the income. And then you can finally eventually sell once the first person in the couple passes away. So those are some options out there. Um, if people have a really large estate and a charitable inclination, you can also do charitable remainder unit trusts where you get a tax deduction for putting that property in the charitable remainder trust. And you can um, you know, sell, get a tax deduction and sell it without paying current capital gains tax. But as the money comes out, that's when you pay the capital gains tax. So that's one thing I want people to be careful about when they're helping their their parents or their grandparents deal with real estate and even stocks for that matter, in the portfolio, is don't forget about that overall step up in cost basis when you pass away. If you need some help with your financial planning, money management, investing, we do it all. Check it out. We got a team of over 80 certified financial planners. We got CFAs on our portfolio team. We have attorneys and, and CPAs and enrolled agents on our tax team. We really do the all of the financial planning, all fiduciary based, no commission, no insurance sales, no getting bad biased advice. So check it out. Just go to chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.